So a couple uh, classes ago, we've uh, switched the was it the lapel mic to the to the earpiece. So hopefully you can hear me a little bit better because I'm I'm pretty soft spoken. I think as everybody knows. And then also I've made some modifications to the PowerPoint slides up there. So I've made them a little bit larger. I think. Let's we'll see how it goes. Let's see. Is that good? Hmm? Okay, the own button. That that helps. Okay. I'll get this. So that that'll be an improvement for next week also. I'll find the own button very quickly. So uh two weeks ago, so we kind of went through the, the introductory, the opening of the book of Ezekiel. Uh I'd like to just kind of cover that really, really quickly and then pick up where we left off. Hopefully finish the rest of the that and then get into maybe a little bit of history and background, like the, the purpose for the book. Well, we'll cover that, but we'll look at the historic background or some of the history uh, leading up to the book of Ezekiel. So kind of the summary here, Ezekiel was, uh, Ezekiel was a Levite living in Jerusalem. He was taken uh, captive to Babylon during the reign of Jehoiachin. I think that's when Jehoiachin was taken captivity. He was taken along uh, with him uh, to Babylon. He was placed there um, by the river Kibar, uh, the Kibar Canal or the, the Kibar River. Um, and then um, he started prophesying around, I think it was around five, the fifth year of the, the reign of King Jehoiachin. He prophesied for 22 years. Uh, the message that he delivered to them was what God had told them, told him to say to the captives that were living there. Uh, we, we went through the outline of Ezekiel. There's basically three, three different sections or three main sections. The first one being the prophecies against uh, Israel, the prophecies of judgment against Israel. Uh, chapters 1 through 24, 25 through 32 deal with the prophecies against the foreign nations uh, that were there and around. Uh, and then the last of the book, 33 through the 48, deals with the, the future blessings and restoration of, of Israel, um, we, we saw that his name means God strengthens. Uh, his name's only mentioned twice, uh, both times in the book of Ezekiel. We see there where he was deported. He was a priest. Uh, also, he was born. Um, I think that's. Let's see. Yeah, he's called as a prophet. He was 30 years old, or thought to have been 30 years old, whenever uh, he began uh, prophesying. That was during uh, the reign of King Josiah. Um, let's see. And then the 22 years, I think we talked about that there. Contemporaries. So he was contemporaries with the prophets Jeremiah, who was in Jerusalem, preaching the same message to the, to the people there. And then Ezekiel was in Babylon, preaching to the captives. And then we also have Daniel, who was in uh, the capital city there of Babylon. So this is broken up. Okay, you can see it a little bit better. It's a little bit larger, a little bit better than last week. We see the map here, kind of the route that was taken from Judah or Jerusalem all the way over to Babylon. Um, the dates, we talked about the dates a little bit. Here's These are a little bit larger. You can see them. We won't go through all of them in detail, but one of the good things about Ezekiel is whenever he goes through and he talks about some of the dates, he, he says the day, the month, and the year. So we can 
kind of uh, go through and see what time of the year it was, what the, the month, the date, uh, some of the main words, the frequent, frequent used words in the book of Ezekiel. He's called the Son of Man. Uh, that's that's the name that God calls him. God calls him this um, every time. I think it's 93 times other than Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 3 and then chapter 24, 24 verse 24 where he's called is mentioned by name. Uh, you see some of the other words there. The overall theme, the soul that sins shall die. But God wants them to turn and repent, to, to stop doing those the, the evil abominations, I guess the things or the sins that they're committing, uh, so that they could live. Uh, purpose. Okay, I think this may be where we uh, left off, so I'm going to have to turn around. Sorry, I can't see that up there. So uh, looking at the purpose or some of the overall message or arching themes in the book of Ezekiel, uh, the first one it's noticeable, we've t- kind of talked about, uh, God is telling Ezekiel to communicate to them Jerusalem's imminent destruction. Uh, and we can see uh, in chapter 6, chapter 7, where uh, you know Ezekiel is, is preaching or telling to the people that, uh, I think in chapter 7 specifically, he says that the end has come, the end has come upon the land. So it's pretty inevitable. Uh, the end has come, the days, and there was a proverb, there was actually a proverb that they were speaking, I think it's found in chapter 12 where it says the days are prolonged and every vision comes to to nothing. This is the, the mindset of the people, but, but God quickly, I guess, addresses that, saying that my words will not be delayed any longer, that it will come to pass, that Jerusalem will, will be destroyed. Uh, the, the reason, the result of persistent sin, so the persistent unfaithfulness that uh, Israel had toward God. We see that in chapter 14 where the land was sinning against God with persistent unfaithfulness was the reason for um, the destruction. And also in chapter 22 talks about where Israel was shedding blood, they were serving idols, they were bowing down, worshiping other idols. Uh, it's a call to repentance. There in chapter 3, Ezekiel is called to be a watchman. So he takes the message that God has given to him, and he tells the children of Israel, uh, trying to warn them of, of the things that they're committing, to turn uh, from those things, stop doing them, uh, repent and turn away from the idols and abominations. And also in chapter 18, uh, you know, he says he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Uh, another one is to counteract the false prophets. So chapter 13 uh, talks about the, the, the prophets, the false prophets are trying to tell the people that there is peace. You know, nothing's going to happen. There's peace, nothing to worry about, which is, you know, the same thing that Jeremiah was saying in chapter 6, of Jeremiah chapter 6. You know, it said the false prophets were saying peace, peace, when there was no peace. This is when, you know, the Babylonians were, you know, laying siege to the city, and the prophets were saying, ah, nothing's wrong, everything's going to be all right. Uh, so it was to, I guess, counteract or, or put down these, these false uh, statements made by these prophets. Also, it tells a little bit about the mindset of the people. Uh, you look in chapter 2, it talks about how rebellious the children of Israel were. I think it's in the first 
I think it's ten verses in chapter two, and it's mentioned probably eight. I think it's eight to ten times where it says, repeats just how rebellious that the children of Israel were. It also talks about them being stubborn, impudent, they're hard-hearted. And also in chapter 33, even after Jerusalem is destroyed, we see that they know that Ezekiel is a prophet because his word has come to pass. And so they come and they listen to Ezekiel and they know that the word is from God, but they hear it and they don't do it. So it's, you know, it's just, they hear it, they enjoy it, you know, listening to it, but but they just won't act or, or obey it. Uh, also, uh, we talked about in chapters 25 through 33, and then also in chapter 35, it talks about the destruction of Edom, judgment coming upon Edom. We see where uh, it's talking about the punishment of those other nations. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Why, why is it that God would be able to bring judgment upon those other nations? You know, I guess there's another uh, a mindset that, that the children of Israel have. You know, when when the temple was, was built, it's there in Jerusalem, they had kind of confined God to a certain location, right? He, he was supposed to come and meet with them above the, the mercy seat, there above the ark. And, you know, when, when you look at chapter 1 and the vision uh, that, that Ezekiel sees of God... Where is Ezekiel at? Where is Ezekiel at? He's at Babylon, right? He's in Babylon. What, what's God doing in Babylon? You know, God is not just the God of the children of it. God's the God of, of, of everyone, of everything. So God, um, you know, throughout history has dealt with and communicated with, even with other nations other than the children of Israel. And we see that with, you know, uh, well, for instance, you know, God using uh, King Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment upon his people. thats He was given that direction by God. So uh, God knows all of the things that are going on, not with, just with his children, but with all men everywhere. And then also we see the restoration and the future blessings. So uh, after the, this, uh, the Babylonian captivity will last 70 years, as mentioned in Second Chronicles chapter 36. Also, it's uh, talked about by Jeremiah. So after that 70 years, they'll be brought back. God will bring them back after the Medes and the Persians take over. I think under King, is it Cyrus? Yeah, King Cyrus will will issue a decree to send the children of Israel back. Uh, I think it's around 536 uh, B.C. And they will come back. They will inherit the land. And then also, you know, it's not just, there's there's some... um, I guess uh, not only will they come back and, and, and take the, the land itself, but also it talks, it looks ahead to, to, to Christ. Uh, at the end of uh, chapters 34 and 37, it talks about uh, God setting up David, his servant, to rule over his, his people, which is a reference to Jesus. Good. Questions? All right. Works good. All right, also... Uh, we see the glory of God departing from Jerusalem because of the sin that they're committing. Uh, in chapters 8 through 11, there's a, there's a temple vision. And it, it, it's, it's this picture, this vision. That, well, I guess if you go back to chapter 1, there's this chariot, I guess, chariot-type vision, the throne of God there in Babylon. And then the second 
vision that Ezekiel has. It's in chapters 8 through 11. It talks about uh, the, the, I guess, how the people were committing these abominations, some of the elders there in the temple, and, and God would actually, uh, his, his chariot, I guess, would or the vision of God would be lifted up from the temple and eventually leave the temple, heading up. I think we see it in the mountains going east uh, there at the end of chapter 11. So we see the glory of God departing from Jerusalem. Um, God's judgment is required upon the, the nations. And then God's people would be reconciled to him later. We see that in the, uh, the ending chapters, uh, chapters 33 through 48, and also specifically, specifically there in chapters 43 and 44. Uh, chapters 40 through 48 talk about the the future temple, the dimensions of the temple, the future worship, the future land. And then um, the downfall was a result of rejecting God and and serving idols. And we see all of those details uh, of the the things, the the sins that they were committing, how they were worshiping idols, how they were shedding innocent blood. Uh, In chapters uh, 6 and 8, 14 and then also 16, and, and I guess just to mention, um, <clears throat> whenever God goes through and starts talking about these, these, these sins and the abominations they're committing and, and the worship of these different idols, um, chapters 16 through 23 can be quite graphic, I guess you could say. Um, the Bible is not a, a G-rated book, so some of those instances where he compares uh, Israel to an adulterous wife is, is very graphic. And so God leaves little room for for the imagination there. So Also, let's see, God's people would know that he is the true God of heaven through punishment and chastening. So, you know, the, the, the main reason that they were taken captive into Babylonian captivity was to cure them of their idolatry. And afterwards, when they would come back, that would be whatever the sin that they had committed before, that would not be an issue. So he, he purges them of it. Um, and when they come back, the remnant that is there, uh, and, and there's no longer an issue with, with adultery. Um, God is still faithful despite the failure of his people. Uh, so God uh, continues to keep his promises despite the, the failures of the children of Israel. Uh, we look back at the promises that that God made to Abraham in chapter in Genesis chapter 22, where He said, "In in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed." And also in Second Samuel chapter 7, which uh, Hiram mentioned this morning, talking about that uh, through David's seed, you know, God would set up a kingdom that or a king that would reign uh, forever. And so we see those promises coming to pass. We see them coming to, to fulfillment through Jesus. So God had kept his promises. Uh, each person is responsible for his own sins. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18 uh, verses, well, I think it's pretty much the entire chapter. So uh, there, there was also a proverb that uh, the children of Israel had where it said, um, it was uh, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And that proverb basically meant, okay, we're, we're paying for the, for the sins that our, our fathers have committed. But they didn't 
I guess their, their mindset was wrong in that, well, in that, you know, God tells them it's, it's the soul that sins will die. So the abominations and the things and the sins that their fathers were committing, they were doing the same thing. And then we've talked about the future David, the king and shepherd of God's people. Uh, there at the end of chapters 34 and 37, uh, the fulfillment through Jesus coming and setting up and establishing the church. Uh, and then also there the, uh, the coming of the new and everlasting covenant. And then there are some verses there. We won't go through all of them because of time, but if you want to jot those down or if you need this uh, presentation later, I can get you this, uh, this information so you can have those verses. Communication. So Ezekiel communicates to the people through, uh, I guess, very interesting ways. He communicates through them through visions, which we had talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. So we see uh, a lot of the visions in chapters 4 or 5. We see one in chapter 12. Uh, kind of interesting things. You can see a list of, of the ways that he communicates. Um, sorry. So. All right, so uh, abominations in the temple in Jerusalem, the glory of the Lord departing from the temple, uh, the wicked leaders. Uh, so there, there are a few. Uh, that one in chapter 37, is everyone familiar with that one? Yeah, the Valley of Dry Bones. I think that's one of the more popular visions that I think everyone knows. Uh, very popular with the children. So uh, Symbolic acts. So... Um, Again, in chapters, I guess, 4, uh, Ezekiel does some, some pretty interesting things. So he's not... Uh, okay. Yep, the visions. I think I explained the symbolic acts the first, didn't I? So uh, the first one there was uh, the appearance of... The, okay, these are visions that he has and then also symbolic acts. So Ezekiel is not only talking to the people about... Uh, the things that they're doing wrong, the sins they're committing, and the, the message that God wants to give them, but he's also acting these out. So these these are kind of like, I guess you could say, street performances, so that he goes out and he acts these certain ways, and the people would see it and, and ask, what are you doing? And then he would explain to them exactly what it is that he was doing or what those things meant. So the things that are happening in chapters... Uh, 4 and 5 are explained there towards the end of chapter 5. And they were all symbolic of the, the destruction, the siege and the destruction of Jerusalem. And then the next one, uh, parables and allegories. So these were uh, Israel's compared to certain items, such as an outcast vine, an adulterous wife. I think there are two promiscuous uh, sisters, a forest fire, the sword of, the sword of God, the cooking pot, so a lot of interesting uh, parables. And, and the good thing about Ezekiel is after one of the parables are spoken, there towards the end of the chapter it's explained in detail as to what it signifies or what it means. All right. So any questions about that? No? Any questions? No? Okay. So I like pictures. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know how this one would end up. I was wanting to kind of look at some of the history, I guess, what's happening uh, up to the point where uh, the book of Ezekiel is is written. So if you look from the left to the right, this actually goes from 
the creation all the way up through uh, some of the epistles written in the New Testament. So um, a lot of things, I guess, happening in this timeline. So, And you can see all of the different books where they're kind of positioned throughout history. And most of the books that you see there um, begin there at the end of the, I guess you could say, right around 1,000 B.C., is that right? So you can see most of them, 1,000 B.C. all the way to uh, 400 B.C. Um, I guess after, and it says right here, the the Genesis account, it says uh, that it's uh, uncertain, I guess, the dates. If you look at the genealogy records in chapters, Genesis chapters 5 through 7, or chapters 5 and 11, if there are no gaps in those uh, genealogy records uh, from, I guess you could say, the creation all the way through the flood. It's about 1,600 years, 1,656 years. And just just looking back at that, and I was looking at, like, certain events that would happen um, where maybe God's children or the people were, were disobedient things of that nature, because, you know, the, the things that are happening in Ezekiel are not just, it, it didn't just happen at that point. So it was a gradually, I guess you could say, building up. And if you look at significant acts throughout, you know, in, in Genesis, we, uh, we, we see creation, we see the fall of man, we see the sin that was committed in the garden, we see where God had instituted or implemented a plan to bring about forgiveness through Jesus. That's mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 where it says, in your seed, um, the, it's talking about the woman through your seed. Um, well, let me just go there. That may be the best thing. So in Genesis chapter 3, I don't know the exact terminology here, but there is a prophecy there of Jesus... Beginning in verse 14, is it 13? And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle uh, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, meaning Jesus. He shall bruise your head and shall bruise his heel. So we see the fall there. We see the the plan that was talked about in Genesis chapter 12. We see uh, God beginning that plan through through Abraham uh, that he would... Uh, and. and not only chapter 12, but also in chapter 22 where it says, In your seed all the nations shall be blessed, talking about Jesus. Uh, also, in, we, I guess if we fast forward a little bit to Second Samuel, we had talked about that, you know, in, in David's seed, that, uh, you know, he would have a king that would uh, sit on the throne and, and be an eternal uh, throne. I guess looking through after the Genesis account, so we have, um, I guess, going from left to right. So 
you know, there, there's, there's this fall, there's this plan that's implemented by God to, to bring about, um, you know, I guess the restoration so we can see his work throughout history. Um, after this, we have, um, at the end of Genesis, we see uh, the children of Israel had gone down into Egypt. God had brought them out. He had uh, led them through uh, the wilderness there for a 40-year period. And during that time, uh, is everything going okay? Are the children of Israel, are, the, are, they, uh, are they continually obedient to uh, all of the commands that God has given them? No, brings them out, brings them to Mount Sinai. He gives them a law. Um, a law that they should uh, keep and they disobey some of those commandments. Um, and then afterwards, let's see, go to the next slide. Okay, here we go. So he brings them out, he gives them a law. Uh, going through, we see, we had talked about there in Genesis. So Part of this plan that that he is implementing, so in Genesis chapter 15, he is talking to Abraham. So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 16, um, I guess looking at this this chapter, there is a covenant that God is making with Abram, and there is this... uh, this this oven. Okay, he, he prepares this uh, this sacrifice, and it's in verse 17. He said, and "When it came to pass, and when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pictures. On that same day, uh, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to dis- to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the river uh, the, the river Euphrates." Uh, but back up in chapter, in verse 16, he says, But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So Abraham had promised to give, or God had get, promised to give Abraham the land that the children of Israel were in, but it wouldn't be uh, until after a period of time. Uh, and it's interesting that it mentions that the, the sin of the Amorite is not yet complete. So there was a reason that God didn't give them the land uh, at that time. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. We'll just... Chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. It says, When you come into the land with which uh, the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall be not be found anyone among you who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who compels spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all of these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Talking about the Amorites or the people that are in the land. So, one of the reasons that God has, has, you know, not allowed them to take the land at that point, that he will bring them back into the land, was to drive them out because of all the abominations that uh, they had committed. Um, 
You shall not be blameless before the Lord for the nations which you will dispossess. Listen to soothsayers and diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. Chapter 9, verses 4 through 6 of Deuteronomy as well. Do not think in your heart after the Lord has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord uh, is driving them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. And in chapters 8, verses 18 through 20. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives this power to get wealth. He may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you. So you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And then the last one in Numbers chapter 33. Make sure I'm going the right way here. Verses 55 and 56. It says, But if you do not drive them out, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be uh, that those who let you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that. I will do to you as I thought to do to them. So we see from Genesis that the sin of the Amorite has not yet been complete and that God would send them in and drive them out of the land because of the sins, the abominations that they were committing, the soothsaying, the the worship of these idols. Um, But there in chapter 33 in in Numbers, what, what does God, what's the message that he gives to the children of Israel? I mean, also in chapter you know, 18, he says, you know, I'm not driving them out of this land because of your righteousness, but because of the sins that they had committed. And then there in chapter 33, Numbers chapter 33 says that if you commit these abominations or if you do these things, if you don't drive them out, if you don't be obedient to the, the commands that, that God has given to you and they're a snare to you and you end up worshiping these idols, what will God do to the children of Israel? The same thing that's, that's I guess, being mentioned, hence the, the book of Ezekiel. It's, uh, he, he would drive them out of the land. And you can see the Babylonians coming in and driving them out of the land a little bit later. Um, Leviticus chapter 18, verses chapter 18 and chapter 20. Uh, I guess before that, one one of the verses that I didn't write down that that I I meant to, uh, in Ezekiel, or not Ezekiel, in Exodus chapter 20, also in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see the, the Ten Commandments. And one of the first commandments that God had given the children of Israel were to 
you shall have no other gods before me. And the second one, you shall not create for yourselves any carved image of any kind, nor bow down, nor worship it. Um, And in chapter 18 there in Leviticus, it talks about one of those specific um, false gods that they're worshiping there in the land of Israel. So they had worshipped that false god. It's it's Molech. So they had worshipped that false god before the children of Israel had gotten there. And when the children of Israel came in to possess the land, eventually they came to the point where they were worshiping this god also. And, and you know, the terrible thing about this false god is was, was child sacrifice. And in Leviticus chapter 18, God condemns this. And does anybody by chance know what the chapter 18 is talking about? Leviticus chapter 18? Right, the laws of sexual morality. And so right in the middle of this, God puts uh, this, this verse uh, regarding this false god. Verse 21, he says, let me find it here. All right, more, okay, let's see. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of the Lord uh, your God. I am the Lord. If you turn over to chapter 20, it gives a little bit more uh, details. Verses 1 through, I think, verse 5. These are kind of the penalties for, for doing these things. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever the children of Israel or the strangers who dwell on Israel, who gives any of your descendants to Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. He said, the people of the land will stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and I will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Moloch to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. Also, if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from that man when he gives some of his descendants to Moloch and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off. From his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molet. So spiritual adultery uh, serving these these false idols. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 26, I guess for the sake of time, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there towards the end of the chapter in those verses, um, God had mentioned that you know Israel was was his special people and that they should be careful to observe the commandments that God had given them. And in chapters 27 through um, 30, it talks about the blessings and the curses that would come upon the children of Israel. Blessings for being obedient, curses for being disobedient. And Moses had told the children of Israel when they had come into the land of uh, Canaan that they were to set the commandments uh, to, to write a copy of the law on a on a... I guess a whitewashed stone set it up on Mount Ebal. And half the children of Israel were to stand on Mount Ebal, half on Mount Gerizim, and they were to pronounce the cursings, the curses and the blessings that would come upon the children of Israel. Curses for being disobedient and then blessings for being obedient. And then there in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we'll read that one. 
Moses tells them that they, he has set before them both life and death. Uh, in chapter 30, verse 15, he says, See, I have set before you today life and death, or life and good, death and evil, and that I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His statutes, His, uh, His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go going to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you're not here and drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, uh, I announce to you today that you will surely perish. You uh, shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over to possess. So I guess going back, looking at uh, the, the, I guess the sins that they had committed and the abominations that they had committed, the people that were there before them, the children of Israel did go over and take possession of that land, but they end up serving and doing the same things that those people had, had done. And because of that, God would bring judgment upon his people, upon Israel, and actually destroy uh, Judah and Jerusalem and send them captive to Babylon for, for 70 years. And then there he would purge them. He would bring back a remnant, as he had promised uh, through Abraham and through David, uh, to preserve that, uh, the, I guess, the, the remnant to bring them back and that they would possess the land. And he would eventually bless them uh, through sending Jesus. So, all right. Thank you very much.